Welcome to this CUC podcast. My name is John Dunnett. I'm the National Director of the Church of England Evangelical Council. In this second part of a conversation, we're welcoming back um, Helen Lamb, lay member of the Church of England and in secular employment, and Ed Shaw, local church minister and director of Living Out. In the first part of our conversation, we were reflecting on the recent November 2023 General Synod. And in this part of our conversation, we're going to pick up where we left off and explore the provisions that CSC has made. A lot of people um, are saying, and this is both clergy and lay, um, a lot of people are saying, I can no longer see my bishop um, as my um, spiritual leader. You know, they, they've kind of lost that right um, in supporting that which I think Scripture doesn't allow them to support. Uh, and so we are making it possible for people to look to others than their bishop for that kind um, of spiritual authority, that kind of um, spiritual advice, support, um, leadership. Um, I, I, I mean, either Ed or Helen, um, is, is that something you yourselves would be interested in taking up? Um, what do you think others that you know um, will say in response to that offer? Just you know, This is the morning after a general synod vote, which has caused me a huge amount of pain. I would love to be able to ring up uh, someone who was responsible for, for looking after me spiritually. I would love someone who's responsible for looking after spiritually to ring me up um, and say, can we talk through this? Um, what's, how's this going to work out um, in your church context? How can I support you personally as you hold this space as someone who's in church leadership, but also somebody who's gay, same-sex attracted to my, themselves? That, that's what a bishop should be doing. That's what an overseer of uh, church pastors, elders uh, should be doing. That, that's what I need as, as a licensed lay minister, as a leader of a local Anglican church. And so I really support to provide for that pastoral need for people like me in this circumstance because at the moment that's not a call that I can make to my bishop here in Bristol and it's probably not a call that she feels able uh, to make to me because um, there is now a distance between us because I think you know she has someone who's started to become a false teacher and understandably uh, she's not very happy with me using that language of her so I, I need someone else to help pastor me uh, at this moment because I suspect she is unable to or feel or probably feel unable to. And I guess just speaking as um, an ordinary lay member in a congregation, it one of the reasons I love the Church of England is because of the governance structures and because of that sense of oversight, of accountability, of pastoral care for those entrusted with leading local churches. Uh, there are reasons I'm not in other church um, denominations, but that doesn't function if actually we are out of fellowship. And certainly in the Diocese of Oxford, that has been the case for some time. And it's deeply unsatisfactory given what the bishops have done. They they have disqualified themselves from being bishops to us. And therefore we we need overseers. And there's a reason that that the biblical mandate provides for overseers for those entrusted with local care and we don't have to look very far tragically for where abuses have happened to say that is of crucial importance so I hugely value in the Anglican church that as a lay member in an ordinary congregation if I have concerns or safeguarding issues or 
um, or believe that there's bullying or inappropriate behavior going on, I can try and take it directly to the church leadership. If they're not listening, there are other people I can go to. And at the moment, that is not functional. You are listening to the CEEC Making Sense Of podcast, which is where we get to grips with issues that we know are important for Christians at the current time. This is an accessible place to start to think biblically around key issues and how the good news of Jesus impacts them. Do let us know if you have themes or topics that we could address in future episodes. Email us podcast at cec.info or connect with us on CEC social media channels. So, yes, we absolutely need overseers because we believe what we believe about the human sinful heart. Right. So we know that even those entrusted with leading a church also need people in oversight over them. And therefore, we are looking for people to be faithfully able to fulfill that role. I also from again, from the view of the pews, um, it you know, it's very difficult. The papers are all reporting that the church will be uh, performing same sex marriages the bishops may take issue with whether that's actually what they're doing or not, but that is the perception. We have got people in our congregation saying, well, how can we possibly stay in the Church of England then? It has absolutely ditched what the Bible says. So part of looking for alternative oversight is to say you can still be a faithful member of a Church of England church and believe what the Bible says. And CEC is simply trying to say that where the bishops have departed from the faith and have divided the church in two, we need to be providing options for those congregations to continue to be faithful members of the Church of England. And I think it's really important to stress that point because this will be spun as CC getting ready to leave the Church of England. This is the Church of England Evangelical Council putting the structures in place so that people can stay in the Church of England. Ed, thank you. That's really helpful to underline. Helen, a moment ago you, you mentioned safeguarding and perhaps it's worth us just being very clear um, on a couple of issues. One is that um, uh, whether it's Ed or yourself or any other church leader who asks CEC for um, spiritual support, leadership, oversight from elsewhere, that does not in any way allow someone not to be accountable to their diocesan bishop and diocesan safeguarding officers and systems. We want that to be um, absolutely clearly heard. Um, it's also the case that if um, a licensed person, so a licensed lay minister or a licensed ordained um, leader um, w wants to ask CEC for this support and oversight, um, that your legal and formal accountability still lies with whoever it is that's licensing you. The second provision that we um, have just announced um, is around um, money. Uh, what we've heard from people, again, the length and breadth of the diocese, um, um, and this is from the, you know, from the lay folk who make up 99% of the Church of England who pay the bills, they've said to us, I, I, I find my conscience is stricken at this point. Why should I continue to give um, to bishops uh, and to a diocese that seems to be um, supporting and advocating things that I just feel I can't in good conscience support? Uh, and so we've set up this thing called the Ephesian Fund, um, based on um, what Paul says to the Ephesians about them being, uh, you know, gospel partners. Um, we, we set up this Ephesian Fund because we're worried that a lot of people are going to stop giving to their local church and that a lot of lo local churches will not be able to pay 
their voluntary parish share, from which, of course, their ministers are actually funded. And so the intention of this is to um, enable people in good conscience to continue to be stewards of what God has given to them. Uh, and I say in good conscience because if people give money through um, the Ephesian fund to their local church, the local church will be able to say, well, we can only spend this on um, things that are in um, keeping with the objectives of the Ephesian fund, which is orthodox ministry. It also means that PCCs can pay their voluntary share to dioceses through the Ephesian fund. Uh, and the great thing there is that the Ephesian fund will require the diocese to allocate that money to Orthodox ministries and to give account of that. So we're hoping this will go some way to addressing the conscience issue that a lot of people um, are facing. I mean, Ed, is that something that you think the folk in your congregations um, would find reassuring? Is it something they might feel able to support and engage with? Well, I'm certainly having a conversation with my archdeacon recently who wants us to pay a lot more parish share to the diocese. And I was explaining to him that if he was going to help me persuade um, 20 somethings who had a huge amount of financial pressure themselves personally to give generously uh, to the wider work of our diocese, they would need to know that it's going to ministry that um, they could personally support. Um, and they could really get behind and really pray for and root for. It can't just go into a sort of a big central fund and there could there just can't be that sort of lack of transparency uh, of where it's going and just that lack of sense of this is what I really support. Uh, interestingly, he was he was involved in donor relations in a previous job and he got that, that any of us who've been involved in encouraging charitable giving know that you best get people giving generously when they know that it's going to something they really support, they hear about it, a relationship is built up and they can really get behind their giving in practical and prayerful ways too. And I'm really hoping this, this Ephesian Fund at CC is, is, is establishing, it's going to enable that to happen, enable people to give with confidence and to give uh, uh, with their prayers as well, and, and to really get behind a gospel ministry, not just in their local, own local church uh, context, but in some of the contexts where there's not much money, there's great gospel practical need, uh, and there's evangelical ministry happening uh, through the Church of England. And I think this is really crucial. I mean, we're often accused of being obsessed with sex, aren't we? Because we're saying, actually, this is about profoundly what God has revealed himself to be. The Bible does have an awful lot more to say about money, but it's very clear that where your treasure is there, your heart is. And actually what we've proved is the Church of England has divided hearts. <laughs> so what we need to be able to say to people is, yes, this is where your money is going and you can heart and soul be committed. And as Ed says, there are lots of churches who are part of the Church of England and for whom their, their ministry is not financially self-sustaining because they're in deprived areas, they're in very rural deprived areas. What the Church of England structure has done up until now with one mission is enable ministry to be financed there. And what we want to be able to do is say, given we are split down the middle, we want to support that kind of ministry. But it's very difficult to do when half the church feels that it's teaching a false gospel. And therefore, how can we ensure that we can give with wholehearted joy to support ministry where the gospel is being preached? The Ephesian Fund is one way of enabling churches to do that. 
I'm quite sure that some folk will accuse us of financial blackmail by setting up this Ephesian fund. Um, people will say, well, it's you know large evangelical churches um, abusing their position and um, playing you know muscle games. Uh, I mean, what would your um, in immediate response be to that, or what would be your instinctive response? Uh, I'm intrigued given that I, we're all part of churches, right? So money comes from individuals making decisions. There's no, um, this isn't a cult. There's no requirement to give a certain amount of income. There's no expectation that there's a kind of structural enforcement. So what this is doing is providing an opportunity for people to give if that is what God is um, calling them to do. If we don't provide it, as Ed says, I think several of those people simply will stop giving. And at that point, the, the financial pressure that the church is under is going to be even more acute. We're already in a situation in lots of dioceses where finances are extraordinarily under pressure. So what we're looking to do is try to enable the sustaining of gospel ministry. But nobody's forced to give. Nobody's forced to give via this particular route. It, you know, the Church of England is a it's a voluntary grassroots organisation and parish shares are a voluntary contribution to the diocese. So. Yeah, I just it, it implies a level of centralised control that I don't think reflects reality in the Church of England. Ed, anything to add to that or not? When it comes to parish share, the, the system's broken anyway, and this, this, the, the disagreements we're in, I, I think, probably file final nail in the coffin of the parish share system. It needed re-looking at anyway. This is an opportunity to see uh, how it can work uh, long term, and I'd urge anybody involved in the central structures of diocese to actually take this as an opportunity to take a system that we all know is broken anyway and make it fit for purpose for the future. A second thing's just worth clarifying is um, against the accusation that some people make, oh, you evangelicals, all you ever want to talk about is sex. Now, there's two responses to that, it seems to me. One is, no, 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 nothing could be further than the truth. And I find myself at General Synod saying to those who want to pursue the prayers of love and faith, I've been saying to them, you can take sex off the table tomorrow and I'd be happy. We'll just talk about evangelism all the time and I'll be completely happy with that. Now, I think that's one good answer, but actually knowing what you've written about this Ed, and what you said, Helen, there might be a more positive answer, which is that it'd be good to talk about sex, but how would you like us to talk more about sex as evangelicals? I'd love us to talk about sex um, as um, and sexuality and being sexual beings as a wonderful spiritual resource to help us get, feel, know how much God loves us in Christ and to help us uh, see where this world and our lives are heading. Helen? I would love it if we just were able to be clear about God's pattern for sex. And that enabled us to be properly pastoral, given that we all suffer and struggle in a world that is not yet redeemed and, and newly recreated. So we know from the Bible what God's pattern is. Um, we're just going to ask a couple of very quick kind of FAQs. Um, what would your prayer be at this moment for the Church of England? I think um, my fundamental prayer is still that we would hear... <laughs> hear God's call to repent and to turn to Jesus and I'm still longing that we would discover discover again that um that we are called to be a light to the nation around us and perhaps as I, um we were talking earlier about the Christmas season coming in what a joy we have to hold out this hope 
but it is a call to repent and believe. And my deepest prayer is that those who lead us and have the responsibility for for um, leading the flock would see that they too need to repent. And, and I include myself in that, you know, and on the CEC, there is plenty that we uh, all need to repent of. But I'm longing that we come back to God's call on us and to follow the way of Jesus and to accept that, that going after the way of Jesus is to take up our cross and to follow him. And to do that um, in opposition to our culture and in opposition to lots of our own individual desires, but to find that that is the way to life to the full. Yeah. I think beyond that, I also have a prayer that um, that because of the way that this is being done, there would be uh, a right sense of wanting to come back and say, if we're going to do it and if we're sure that this is what God is wanting, let's do it in the right way, because God does not um, does not bless the means just because we believe in the end and so uh so i would love it if the bishops so i think the outcome of the motion was for the bishops to go and consider i think they're due to meet next month i would love it if the closeness of the vote and some of what they heard on the floor of synod brings them back to say do you know what we have not done this right and if this is really what god is doing let's go back and do it properly and what would you pray um I think I pray that the Church of England would find a way for us to stay together under the banner of the Church of England, but to do that in new, distinct, different parts. I think CC has for a long time been calling for some form of new structures, uh, not because uh, we're you know, apt to be schismatic, but because... Um, we just feel that we come to a point where we, we need that. We need those distinctions. We need those different structures. In particular, so we can concentrate on getting the good news that the word became flesh and made this dwelling among us out to the world around us. And at the moment, each of us of this conversation would much prefer uh, to be talking to people about Jesus than to be doing a podcast about the Church of England. And it would be lovely to get ourselves to a position where the focus can be on sharing uh, Jesus and off church being in politics. And I guess for myself, um, I've always been inspired by that wonderfully brief prayer of the sinner that Jesus commends, Lord have mercy on me a sinner. And um, whilst I would, along with you guys, want to say, I think we are being led into error um, at this particular time, as far as Bible teaching is concerned, um, I know that none of us is perfect, and so I think I want to remind myself and all of us of the need to pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, uh, as well as on whatever else and whoever else um, is a sinner in the Church of England. Helen, Ed, thank you so much for being with us on this podcast. May the Lord bless you. Take care. Well, big thanks to Ed and Helen for that conversation, but more importantly, thank you to you for listening in to this podcast. If you're still feeling there are one or two bits of the jigsaw missing, why don't you have a listen back to part one, where the background to this conversation can be found. But if having heard this podcast, you're interested to learn a bit more about the Ephesian Fund and alternative spiritual oversight, have a look at the website. There's all the details that you could want there. And of course, the opportunity to contact us should questions arise. Thanks so much for being here with us.